0: Good afternoon, and thank you for joining our newest set of podcasts. Our first one on the Pizza Pod will be with Matt Hennon, the president of the Minnesota Ice Arena Managers Association. Matt is from Alexandria, Minnesota, and runs the Alexandria Runestone Community Rink. And he's going to talk to us today about their role in the Return to Play versions 1 and 2 and with regards to the COVID uh, spread and we're going to talk about his path in the industry and everything in between. Hope you enjoy today's show.
1: Love is a burning thing and it makes A fiery ring bound by wild desire. I fell into a ring of fire.
0: Well, good afternoon, Matt. How are you doing today?
1: Good, good. Thank you guys for having us on.
0: Yeah, this is fun. Um Peter Odney joins me this morning in the uh, YHH cave. How are you doing today, Peter? I'm super. You gotta pick one though, is it morning or afternoon? It's right on the bubble. We're recording at like eleven eighteen. So when we're That's we're fair. beginning in the morning and we'll be done in the afternoon. Like so it's I can't kind of a tell bubble. if I want an omelet or if I want a steak. Well, uh, you keep your food to yourself, young man, okay? Yes, sir. Um, Matt, uh, thank you for joining us. This Just as a little background, we wrote an article, Peter and I did, uh, a week or so ago about getting rid of locker rooms. And that was probably like on a Wednesday. And by Sunday, I got a letter from Miami saying, we want to talk about this topic. And you kind of fell into our lap. You want to give a little background about your thoughts on the article we wrote?
1: Um, yeah, I just wanted to make sure. I mean, the main thing to that is that Miami is a uh, educational um, part of uh, the ice arenas. We, we don't really make rules. We just get the information out there and educate and make sure everyone understands them and try to push along the positivityness of everything that needs to go on right now in life.
0: Yeah, so getting into that, the, the point of what you guys wrote to me in, in the email was, hey, we're not a governing body. We can't make, we can't close the locker rooms, but, you know, wink, wink, we wouldn't mind doing it if, it if it got more kids in the rink and more people into the rink. Is that kind of the gist of what we talked about?
2: Yeah,
1: yep,
0: yep. Well, talk about that, uh, what the role is, and then we'll get into your background in a minute. Talk about your role, you say educational, but – but, but not a, a governing body uh where do you guys stand i mean is it, is it just a group of ma- managers and you're trying to make each other better is that the gist of your organization yeah or for the most good? part
1: yeah yeah so what with Miami, we uh partner up with u.s rinks association which is across the country they got uh it's called narsa national rank convention um so we uh do a bunch of work with them and they uh and us, we partner together and get everybody educated on the correct stuff, such as like basic refrigeration or getting your uh, certified ice technician. Um, safe, safety is number one goal there. Um, so it's mostly just a, a, a group of guys that decided, hey, we all need to have each other's back. We want to support each other. We want the changing times, um, you know, switching from marketing to ammonia and all the stuff in the past that everyone was kind of like, oh, am I doing this right or not? You know, and then you can get get the support from everybody in our Uh, membership that helps everybody out so the networking piece is the huge thing here
2: you're like a a a safety net for ice
0: arena managers
1: yeah you know and there's new ideas every day i mean i just like you know as much as you know, we could pick up our phone and get a new email, and the whole world changes within a minute or a second. So,
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes, this is true. We'll get to that later. Uh, walk through the whole locker room uh, article that we wrote. We wanted it. We, we think Peter and I do at least think that if you close locker rooms down, we could maybe quell some of the spread that's maybe maybe happening within the rink. You your what are your thoughts about that up in Alexandria?
1: Yeah, you know, I mean, every rink is different. That's the hardest part. We can all have the same rule, but every rink is different. And kind of on the backside of the whole locker room thing is um, we've actually been talking Minnesota Department of Health and air quality and trying to figure out the right ventilation, the right things to put in ventilation to try to kill all the germs and all the bad stuff, Um, ionization with that part, you know. And the locker rooms, I mean, they can be predictable, but they're mostly unpredictable because once the skater or coach gets into that room, they feel safe. So when you're in that room and you feel safe, you're going to take off your mask, or you're going to tie your skates, or you're going to laugh a little harder. You know, we all know what goes on in the locker room. It's a fun time. It's part of the game. It uh, brings everybody together. So just one of those things is <clears throat> if we can be predictable and eliminate something that, you know, we don't know, you know, it'd be great to uh, do that together.
0: I think uh, one of the reasons we wrote the article was – we obviously even wrote it in the article oh, great the locker room so we're not we're not going to dismiss that at all but from my perspective and maybe Peter to some degree too is is when you have the people dressing in the lobby or out in the public behind a closed door you have a lot more control over their wearing of masks and, and, and keeping them six feet apart where they're in the locker room they're going to snuggle up next to each other they're going to laugh they're going to do all they're this gonna, they're going to wrestle they're gonna lick each other they're <laughs> going to have the masks off like you said I think that the locker room granted yeah maybe there's some safety issues as far as how close they sit, but I think when they're out in the public, like we saw at Bloomington Ice Garden this summer, they're six feet apart. You got warriors walking up and down the up and down the lobby, making sure the the kids are, are safely masked up. I I just felt way safer when we were at Bloomington than we were in any other rink in the in the state since we reopened on July first.
1: Yeah, they got a great great facility over there, I mean they got great people running that uh, show there. It's it's pretty awesome. And you know, the, just to get back there real quick. Um, the difference of Of rinks, you know. So if you come here to Alexandria, my lobby is like one eighteenth of the big, you know. So up there in Bloomington, but you know, it's pretty cool that they're able to do that, and you can see the positivity of a building like that. That you know, they can work with that and then show that they are safe, and you know, they they use use it to their advantage, and it's really good. I mean. Heard lots of good things about
0: it, and I, I just think from, and I agree with you. I'm not saying not every rink is not built the same, and we could probably do an entire podcast on rinks alone. Right? <laughs> <laughs> How cool they are! We were talking before the show about you working at the deck in college. That yeah. there's all different size. Like I look at Braemar's another three or four sheeter, right? Or I see three of those sheets as really, really conducive. But the little tiny old or the big old facility rink, West Rink, I don't see anywhere where they could spread out six feet with thirty four kids. It would would be a tricky equation, and, and we, you and I could go on and on about different yeah. rinks and different challenges, but I think if it was a recommendation and and, and, and organizations did their best uh, to get people out of the locker rooms, I think that uh, we, we could be in a much better spot come January when hockey hopefully gets off the ground again.
2: Fingers crossed. Yeah. But I think another one of those differences that we should mention is the leadership at those rinks. I mean, every rink manager, and I think Matt would agree with this, has to be on the same page. I mean, that's why the rink managers go to these conventions, because they want to come up with a uniform set of goals and a uniform set of ideas. And I think that the leadership of the rink has to be on board with some of these COVID measures in order for them to actually follow through.
1: Oh, yes. You hit, hit the nail on the head right there. I mean, you couldn't, couldn't say it any better.
0: That's the first time Peter's ever hit the nail on the head, so we have a, we have <laughs> not, a podcast not for, not for lack
2: of trying, but it's just <laughs> something we see going to yes. – We go to a million different rinks, and the rink – Bloomington Ice Garden is a good example because Nancy, the, the queen bee over there, she is hammered down – you just said nail on the head. She is on it, and every one of her staff is bought in, and they're all on the same page about what's appropriate and what's not – But when you start getting a little bit further into the state, you're going to find varying degrees of people who have bought into the philosophy.
0: All right. Well, let's talk a little bit about Matt himself. Uh, Talk about how you grew up, how you got into driving a Zamboni, how you got into the game of hockey. Just a little bit of background on who you are.
1: Oh, yeah, sure. Um, So I grew up in Marshall, Minnesota. Um, My parents had a farm and then um, we sold livestock and my dad ended up flooding the rink. For something to do, so I started skating doing that way, and it was uh, it was pretty cool. So then my parents decided to move up here to Alexandria in '98, and I just became a rink rat because you know it just was so fun to hang out the rink, I thought, and shoot pucks and hang out and skate and you know just be with your buddies and do all that whole thing. And one day, one of the rink guys was just like, "Hey, you want to start doing your part around here and drive a Zamboni?"
0: So like, is this in sure. Marshfield, Marshall, or Alex?
2: And Alec, yeah. Okay, all here. right. All yeah. right. Yeah, nope, I just grew up down in Marshall, and then we moved, so.
0: Okay, got it. <laughs> Sounds like a very
2: yeah. Norman Rockwellian childhood, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: Yeah, yeah, going from turning wrenches and driving Zambonis
0: and livestock, yeah. Dad, dad
2: floods the barn after getting rid of the livestock. Wow, that's, uh, that's straight out of a storybook.
0: So did you yeah. have a hockey career? I mean, if you're hanging around uh, with yeah, I, played, played I played
1: some. I played some juniors, and then, uh, you know, just, just got to that part in life where, you know, I don't know. I guess I just looked myself in the mirror one day and was like, "Hey, you're not going to really go anywhere with this, but you had a lot of fun and you met a lot of people. Let's uh, let's go to school and try to learn something new." So, went up to Duluth and graduated from there with a fire science degree. And you know, one of the electives was wildland firefighting. So, I ended up out on the west coast for 10 years fighting wildland fires and paying off my school. Then I had my uh, first son. I was born uh, in 2010, and I was like, "Ah, I should probably take care of this kid." So moved back home and started working at the rink and now he's a rink rat and loving it too.
0: So he's got to be 10 years old now. So he's, he's just getting into the prime of hockey right now.
2: Oh yeah. It's so much fun. Oh, that's great. So you're dealing with these regulations and protocols as a parent, as a rink manager and as a Miami member.
1: Yep, and a coach. <laughs> Your life sounds real stressful, Matt. Oh, yeah, you know, there's just not enough coffee for every day.
0: <laughs> well, we, we came up with a, a set of questions, uh, just some fun, you know, icebreaker questions before we get into some of the the heat of it. So you talked about stress. What is the biggest fear that you have uh, being involved with the rink? There's, I mean, we, we as tournament – organizers you know we've seen it all we've seen the the lights go off for hours we've seen the the compressors go you know you're in the rink enough you're going to find every problem with the rink what's your biggest fear i mean literally with us with us running a tournament we've had lights go out we've had compressors go down we've had water they've ran out of water holes in the ice holes in the ice (laughs) and and we had a boy die in Brainerd. i mean we've had we've seen the the grand spectrum of fears just running our limited number of hours that we run compared to the amount of hours you run what are your biggest fears
1: well prior to march 13th i would say probably a double booking (laughs) but uh (laughs) but after march 13th my biggest fear is picking up my phone or checking my email and something new needs to change or we got to figure out a way to you know network something out or troubleshoot something you know to make everything work and jive and get everybody on the same page you know but or you're um, getting
2: a really angry phone call or a really angry
1: yes, email yes, from
2: someone yes.
1: yeah yep. that, yeah yeah putting on putting the pressure on for preparedness preparedness plan is just out of this world
0: we didn't even talk about that as a as a pre-question but it just popped up as one is how do you deal with the complaints because we deal with it you know, when we're running our events and we're trying to run a night's nice tight ship and follow all the protocols and maybe even take some of the protocols a little bit a step further, we get some complaints. Do you feel it too?
1: Yeah, I mean the number one thing is is there's always two sides to a story, I think. And we, we we've come pretty close to that now that we gotta figure this out. So when someone comes with a complaint or you just gotta show their respect. You gotta understand they're seeing it from a different way. You know, and they, they got they usually ninety percent of the time they got a good point, but if everybody could just buy in and do the right thing i mean come on it's not that hard right but it seems to be the hardest thing to do right now and i mean you're seeing the repercussions of it right now i mean the governor shut down the state with hockey it's just crazy
0: yeah i we uh we weren't prepared for this either i mean no, no, I don't, don't think anybody was. Emotionally, like, how oh, they, they actually did it. And I went to yeah. study some of the COVID numbers cases. I kind of needed to figure out what par is for the case numbers. I would have paid to like watch you look six, at numbers. There's like 6,000 cases on the 14th of November mm-hmm. in the state yeah. of Minnesota. That's an incredible number. So we got to work our butts off to get that back to a more manageable number I would think
2: oh yeah and I think it's important for people like Matt to get their voice out there and let people know and I think this is something that's gotten lost in Governor Walz's um, executive order I don't think anyone wants to shut down rinks nobody wants to play policeman and ask people to put their masks on nobody wants to herd yeah. kids out of the arena like cattle but right. if it's what we got to do then it's what we got to do
0: all right, a couple, yep. couple more icebreakers. Um, when you first drove the Zamboni, you said you, you got asked to drive it. Was it uh, was it a thrill, or is it? It was it. Tell me about the first time you did it. <laughs> uh, it was kind of comical. Uh, no, I don't know. I don't know. I don't really remember that far
1: back. The only thing I really do remember about it is uh, the guy who was training me. His name is Rod, and he uh, just looked at me and he goes, "Well." We got 157 pieces of glass out there, and we got about 76 boards running around the rink. If those are all standing when you're done, you did a good job.
2: <laughs> <laughs> That's so, a nice way to put a kid's mind at ease.
1: Yeah, so but you know you you're here all summer shooting pucks and hanging out and skating. You know you don't ever think about you know getting into the corner with the zamboni and oh geez, am I getting too tight or not? Should I go faster? Should I slow down? You know have i put too much water down have i put, exactly have I not, is the put puck not gonna slide when i get off
0: <laughs> right here's an interesting one we had another guy st louis park guy bob evers on in Lat- when we were doing our first round of of pods and he said one of the craziest things is you can't see very well on a, a zamboni you can't see straight ahead you're always if you watch they're always kind of gawking to the left or gawking to the right so they can make sure they see is that true for you too
1: oh yeah you just got to get repetition and one of the things too is you know you're always looking behind you make sure your sheet is nice and done right and the water's freezing you know one, one other fear I would have is you know a hydraulic line breaking and you know having that fear is pretty realistic i mean it's all over what happened with the olympia you know catching fire a few weeks ago but it's uh that guy's a hero by the way get that thing off the ice like he did but you know, those, 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 are, those are the inside fears when you're driving around there for your 15 minutes. It's like, all right, I'm going to make it through the next 15 minutes. The rest of my day is golden.
0: <laughs> well, interesting. You brought up the, we, uh, not even the topic, was the whole Olympia the, the, in, in Michigan, the machine. I believe that was like hydraulic fluid. That was not yes. gasoline, correct? Nope. So that, yep, it's that like was a, it was like a red hydraulic yep. fluid, and it just became on fire. And yeah. you say he was a, did you think he just drove that thing right out of the building?
1: I, I don't know what happened at the end there. I, I was.
0: Would you have I done was, the same? I, you, that,
1: this might that? be a, in a little brittle improvement. I was just as much puckered as he was driving that thing. <laughs> I, I, was, I was on the other side of the phone. Yeah. You know, that's just like, oh my
0: God, I can't believe he did it. I don't either. I couldn't either. I thought he was gouging. At first, I thought he was gouging out the ice with the red. I didn't know what that was. You probably knew what it was watching it the first time, right?
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah. I had to call, I had to call Bob actually. I said, Bob, what did I just watch? And he goes, it's hydraulic fluid and that could happen anytime, you know? Yeah. Anytime.
1: I mean, that's why you go through these classes. Like we just talked about, get the education, you know, you need to do your checks, your walkarounds and you got to get, you know, get yourself engaged. It's part of your job. I mean, it's, it's, it's your hands. It's, you know,
0: do you guys have the Zamboni brand ice resurfacers in Alexandria? Yep, yep, we got Zambonis. Man, are those people really stuffy about their name, aren't they? Yeah, well, you know, they've got a lot of passion,
1: just like I do. I mean, it kind of uh, just comes with the territory when you invent an ice machine. You know, way back in the day, I mean, it's, it's, it holds some pride. At, you know, you're you're helping the kids skate. You're making a
2: safe sheet. Yeah, you know, and the last uh, thing you want to hear as a member of the Zamboni family, you don't want to go into the rink and hear somebody say, Oh, oh, the ice machine stopped. Huh, it must be a Zamboni. Right. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. No, I mean... Olympics and in, in Zambonis, they do a great job. I mean, they're always up to date education and making something new or better. And, you know, that's, I mean, there's other brands out there, but I mean, most common ones are the Olympics and the Zambonis,
0: so. Well, let's kind of roll up our sleeves here. I want to talk a little bit about the past and kind of um, a little bit more later on. We'll talk about the future of how we – let's – one of the things that struck me when we talked earlier this week was you – you know, before September 1st, Minnesota hockey kind of put in their return to play. But between July and September, so July and August, you guys, your building was open and you were having probably events and you probably had high school players and you had a lot of different – you kind of were in charge, for lack of a better term, right? You – the rules were the rinks not uh the not the associations do you want to talk a little bit about that um yeah i mean what
1: we did with the whole rink side is we just wanted to make it a safe predictable spot i mean you could listen to the walls talk all day long but you're going to grab anything from him he wants you to create a safe spot you know he wants it to be predictable and that's just kind of what we did you know we Created some timelines, and they seemed to work because, you know, as Zamboni time is 15 minutes, so we just worked around our 15 minutes. We tried not to, you know, make too many moves where we had to do a lot of change, but, you know, it's pretty much the basis of it is we kind of went back off of the our scheduled times and, you know, across the state, what works best, and then we figured it out.
0: Did you guys put an additional 15 minutes buffer in there to, to San uh, to the on- rink?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. So some ranks did, some ranks didn't because they had enough staffing. I mean, maybe later on we'll get into that, but you know, we—it's so hard to, you know, change real quickly. And when you need the staffing, it's just—it's incredibly hard. And it, it changes a lot of people. It's you know, you're going around disinfecting. You're getting back to the Zamboni room. You're talking to everybody. Everybody's complaining. Everybody wants something different. You know, so the, the staffing parts were <clears> that really got to us there.
2: Did you have to go through any staffing limits?
1: Um, no, not not that I really know of. I mean, just like we talked about over in Bloomington, I mean, they they got the staff to do it. I mean, it shows how good it can be, you know. Up here, I got you know, it's hard. I just, I just don't have the amount of staffing, you know. Right, a lot of rinks don't in the outstate. state.
0: Yep. So, so let's walk through that, uh, through what summer the summer in Alexandria looked like versus the summer we saw, like, like, for example, in Bloomington. Uh, in Bloomington, they had a staff member counting the players who were going into the rink for each session, <laughs> which is talk about staffing. That's, a, that's basically one full-time employee from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m., additional yep. staffing that they <clears throat> didn't normally have there. Did you have that type of protocol, or were you just kind of – You know, hopefully we
1: we all had pretty much close to the same thing. As far as I know, across the state, I mean, it just took some time. And like with my whole thing with non-staffing is I wrote my preparedness plan. Yeah, sure. I was in charge of it, but you know what? I also respect who's going to come in and rent my rink. If you got the time, you know, the people, you know, who's who, you know, you know, who's working scorebox, you know, who's doing this and that. Like if you can put those people in charge, make them feel important. It worked out really well for me. All the tournaments I ran this summer, I just had, hey, you you came and rented my ice. You signed my waiver and my preparedness plan. I mean, I'll be in charge with you, but we got to tackle this together. You know, so that kind of helped out with my staffing.
0: All right. So did that limit the amount of staffing you had to put in place?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I would have, so normally I just got one guy working because everything's offset by 15, 20 minutes, right? Right. So, so each, I just exam's brought on, sheets, right? Yep. Yep. So I just brought one more person on, disinfect, you know, walk around, educate, and help out the a renter of the rink.
2: Sometimes it just helps to have another adult body in the arena. Yeah. Tier yeah. one. All the random questions.
1: Yeah. Minnesota hockey did a great job, I thought, um, with their tier one program. Just, I thought it was incredible. People that were in charge took charge, you know, and the parents all agreed, and they ended up knowing who everybody was. So it wasn't like I was like, eh, should that person be in here? Or not, you know. They're like, no, no. They're fine. They're fine, you know. So that 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 was a good part. I mean.
2: How, cl- how closely have you worked with Minnesota hockey since, uh, since March?
1: Uh, real close. We've actually bonded pretty well. We've, you know, always kind of just kept our distance from each other's cause we all knew how, you know, right. just like we talked earlier. I mean, it's so important to get skating on the ice, which Minnesota hockey brings so that we can pay our bills we can get paid and then, you know, have a career in the, in the ice world. So they're, uh, it's been fun. It's good, good to get to know the guys over there. They do, a, they do a really good job. They're just, uh, you know, as soon as they can to get, you know, everything we need to get done. Hockey so. people through and through. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, it's been good. I have no complaints of anybody.
0: So once the Let's talk now September 1st to November 15th. We, we head into the association season. Um, you know, you have tryouts and, 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 and some Tier 1 stuff, and, and your building is now filling up, uh, but it's now uh, most of the people are under Minnesota hockey's uh, return to play rules. Did you see a shift at all uh, in your rinks from when it was pre-September uh, 1st and post-September 1st, or was it pretty much the same?
1: Um, there was a little shift, yeah, it was it was it was a little weird all of a sudden. It just kind of seemed like everybody wanted to go back to two thousand fifteen, sixteen, eighteen, nineteen. You know, it was like everyone forgot that, oh, crap, you know, we got to come in here and be prepared and but no, it was people just I don't think bought in. I don't think they wanted to be educated. I think they wanted to go back and have the good old jolly times, you know, but it, it, we're in a pandemic. we people need to know that we got to change and change is gonna make it better. I mean, obviously, we know what happened. We're sitting here talking about it. So, I mean, the rinks are shut down, but not a lot of those cases come from inside the rink. I mean, no. the, it's, it's what's going on outside the rink. It's the social, like, you know what I mean? Like, they're bringing it in, but it's not. I mean, that's why they have the rules 15 minutes in and out. That's why, you know, the epidemiologists and, you know, all those guys, I mean, they're, they're not just sitting there pushing numbers just to push numbers. I mean, you know, your close contact, six feet, all that stuff matters. The mask, I mean... It's just very important. It all gels together for one reason. That was, you know, to continue. But
0: and again, it was tough. I'm not asking these questions to implicate Minnesota hockey or these people um, in the last two and a half months. I'm simply not. I'm, 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 my, the point I'm trying to say is when it before September 1st, you use an ex- uh, our organization, we're private, we're for profit. We can't I can't rent ice from you if I don't have a good relationship with you. Right. Because Correct. Yeah, you're, and you gotta, gonna, you're yeah. gonna be like you donkey. You didn't let do any follow any of our protocols. You made our life a living hell. When that and, and you'll never rent ice to us again. So we, I think we did a nice job as the privates. And now what I'm not trying to say is what as as Minnesota hockeys right. But one of the problems Minnesota hockey has. They're volunteer led. They're volunteer based, which makes hockey great in Minnesota. It makes it inexpensive. I mean, we can just go on and on about that. That's a pretty obvious. But what where they where they struggle? And we had we had this in Moorhead last weekend. Is I'm you know just take a uh, you know volunteer A from the Moorhead Hockey Association is not really going to go up to some lady from uh, you know Association B. And get after her or him for wearing a mask. It's just not yeah. in their job description. And I don't blame them for not wanting to get oh. after them. And it's just a little trickier. And this is why when we're going to make these future rules, it's not because we want to have control over them. But we're trying to be realistic as to what we can and cannot uh, adhere to or, 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 or facilitate.
1: Like, yeah. I, everybody's got to do their job. That's the bottom
0: line. And it's hard everybody's to do gotta, it when there's volunteers, right?
1: Yeah. You, you shouldn't have to be putting those people in those spots. You should just listen. Even if it's a guideline and you think you can bend it, you know, try it out. See what happens. But I think like you don't even, you shouldn't even be there. Like we shouldn't even be in the predicament that we have to, I mean, you just, there's got to be better people. we got to be better as a society. We're got to be better as one whole group. I mean, you can't put the blame really on anybody other than the people who aren't doing it, you know? And nobody wants to sit out there and get a Snapchat or a, a Facebook post of a rink manager or someone volunteering on, you know, all over the web. I mean, that's the last thing somebody wants to do because that's the fear, you know? It's we're we're seconds away from ruining someone's life every day because of this social media.
2: <laughs> oh my gosh, that you are you are so right. We've gotten dinged a couple of times. We somebody sent out a tweet last weekend of, like, a good morning. Like, it's supposed to be a good moment. We're dropping the puck. We're getting underway. And somebody happened to be taking a sip of coffee at that moment and was in the picture, and it just,
0: boom. 18 people in the picture, 17 had masks on. The one who didn't was drinking coffee, and we got blasted for it. I'm like, how much better? I don't know if we can do a better job.
1: Yeah, Yeah, I don't know. And, and like, the... The concession stand can, you know, bring you good and bad. I mean, yeah, you're trying to make some revenue back for the association because it's like you said, it's volunteer, but just like that, you know, did that coffee come from Holiday Gas Station or did it come from the concession stand? Right. You know, you probably never know, but you're also putting yourself in an unpredictable spot by having your concession stand open. I mean, I mean you, you're just, I mean, it's happening up here in Alexandria. I mean, half of my complaints are because people don't have masks on when they're sitting in the stands eating a pretzel.
0: Yeah. And that's like, well, there that's gonna be one of our rules. That's <laughs> that we're gonna talk about. So let's kind of I, you know what we're talking about today And what we, we're we going to try to publish a little article That goes with this podcast That kind of maybe summarizes it um, It's kind of like go through some of this And you and I disagree on one thing It's going to be kind of fun We're going to battle a little bit on it You and I? I no, Matt and I are going to battle on it You and I battle all the time I don't want to play referee No, no, it's not bad It's just, no, I, it's I just like I can't believe that he thinks that And if that's the case Then I, I, I agree to disagree But it's, it's it's it'll be fun So we're going to walk through i like, got about 10 different rules rules that i think and some are already in place uh some might be new or or modifications the first one is it will be mandatory mandatory that even the goaltenders need to come dressed to the rink you agree with that one matt yep all right so we all even for practice right
1: yeah i think it just it just it's it's a predictable thing and a lot lot of this stuff I'll, i'll say is predictable because you can manage it
0: Yes. So they have to come dressed. What are you going to do as the arena manager in Alexandria if the Alex just picking on a team at the Alex Bantam Bees decide to just show up with their bags one day and they start all tromping with their bags? What do you do?
1: Well, I think it's just an educational part. You know, you just you got to lay down some rules where, you know, everyone respects everyone here. Like, hey, we got to have these rules because, you know, we don't we can't open up locker rooms here. We don't have the social distancing room, you know. Right. So, so would Alex, would you be, guys,
0: if the kids all show up in there with their skates and helmet, and would they have a bench they can sit on? or Would they actually go into the locker room?
1: Um, I, you know, that's a really good question. I think that's the, one of the hardest questions we're going to talk about today is that that factor because okay. we already talked about you know how different every rink is. Yeah. So, if it's a predictable situation, you have the right ventilation, you can move the air that's in there. You know, maybe that's maybe that's the best spot for them because you're not going to have them sitting out intermixing in pods or you know intermixing with parents as they're coming by in the lobbies. You know what I mean? So it's if if you could if every rink could be like Bloomington, I would say they gotta get dressed. They gotta, you know, but I can't say that for every yeah, but I can't say that for every rink, you know.
0: Okay. All right. Uh this next one's gonna be gonna catch some attention. Five minutes. Five minutes they have to get their skates and helmets on inside of the rink. You agree with that one? I think it can happen. You're the author of that. Uh, District six was was heading into seven minutes uh, last week. And I was like, wow, well, it's seven. Might as well just make it five.
1: Yeah. And I, you know, I mean, if, if you're, if you're running your schedule and it's tight and you've got to get as much in as you can, you know, you could realistically do a zam in between, you know, maybe 11 and a half minutes and 15. So you're still going to have that wait period time. Right. So, you know, whatever works best for your rink, so you're not intermixing those pods and you're doing it correctly is, you know, what you got to do. I Five minutes, it. I think it's doable because, you know, you snap your helmet, tie your skates. I mean, look at all the kids that walk down to all the outdoor rinks and whatnot. And all they got is their, you know, their sock on top of their head is a hat and skates and sticks, you know, you just walk up and you tie them up and you're out there cruising around, you know, it doesn't take long. I,
2: I tried agree. to make that point to a dad this summer. And uh, I went for a little nostalgic joke, and he
0: wasn't having any of it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we got come dressed. We have five minutes. So we obviously, masks are going to be something that has to be worn. Um, I'm just going to check that one off the list. Masks is kind of
2: twofold, though, because uh, we already mentioned the enforcement of it. Masks are, they can be a rule, but there has to be some sort of enforcement. And it, as at the risk of sounding like Big Brother, there has to be some sort of solid enforcement. It can't be. Hey, I know I've asked you four times. Can you please pull it back up? Like you gotta, I mean, you gotta be a little forceful. What do you think about that, Matt? Uh, you know, I,
1: I'll actually go to the Minnesota hockey here and say they did a really good job. I mean, they kind of went after the coaches and said, Hey, you guys are our leaders, you know, if you're not going to do this. We got some penalties for you. I don't remember the quite definition of how. I think it was a warning, and then wasn't it like you missed three games or something like that? Yeah, because we were. I don't really remember that off the top of my head. I don't want to, you know, talk out of text here because I don't
0: really remember that rule. So, but it's trickier. So we run uh, obviously independent tournaments or unsanctioned tournaments and sanctioned tournaments. I know. Uh we had a rule with our referee and referee association that if the parent if the player coaches weren't wearing masks it was an automatic uh two minute minor penalty. Well it's Yeah, you could do that too, you could was... do it, but it would be I don't know the referee associations, the ones because yeah, the way we run terms like a real
1: that's a real tricky one. It's right. a I tricky
0: one, right? Like you don't have a mask, it's two minutes and, and it really gets tricky. We can yeah. do it when we run it in an, uns- an unsanctioned environment because we know the refs and and we and the coaches really right. don't have any bounce back. But in, where you get into sanctioned events and you're using referees that you would have no management over, you don't really know any of these refs, it's really yeah. hard to do. So
1: I, I know I mean, I won't call it the rinks, but I know that there is some really good success <laughs> this summer when uh, if you weren't going to be listening, you know, hey, the clock's going to still run, but we're not dropping the puck, you know.
2: Tony's fiddling with the uh, with the buttons right now. He's got this confused look on his face.
0: Are you the, there? Oh, my god! Could you hear him? Yes. Oh, okay. Sorry. I must have muted him on my The end, Apple so. earbuds
2: are doing a better job than the Audio Technica. Oh, gosh. The, the the
0: I, 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 Try, I think I hit to, a
2: button accidentally. Trying to enforce the coaches wearing it on the bench, that would be so hard because how can you tell if they're not wearing it blatantly, if they're adjusting it because it's falling down, if they can't catch their breath because they've been talking to their kids on the bench and they just need to take one breath that trying to give them a minor on the bench, that's, that's the fastest way to get a referee punched in the face.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I would think so. That's you're going to get everybody pretty mad, but like, but like, you know, the success that you would have running a tournament. I mean, if you, if people don't want to wear a mask, I mean, the clock can sit there and run. We're not going to play the game.
0: Right. I agree. I agree. All right. Here's one that has not been enforced. I can speak personally to it, and that is mandatory social distancing. Uh, What are your thoughts on that one?
1: I think it's it's a part of an executive order. It's a part of what Minnesota Department of Health wants. I think it's a part of why we are in the situation we are right now.
0: So you got, let's just say you have, a, I always I'll call it 68. You got 68 parents in the building uh, under the two-parent rule. Um, what are your thoughts on, you know, you, you said, well, early on we saw a bunch of exes, right? Uh, who's going to enforce that? that? Is know it the renter or is it the building? This
1: is the tricky part because you get back into this, and this is where we're actually trying to figure this out. I think we're going to have some really good discussions with Minnesota hockey, the Department of Health. And, you know, is, is the facility truly in charge? I mean, can I can I trump you with anything I want? I mean, but then is that respectful enough to you?
0: Yes, you know, that's I a, know.
1: That's, that's, uh, that's one we're going to get into here coming in because it's on everybody's plate. It's not, it's not something we're trying to hide, obviously, because it's, you know, something that probably needs to happen. But who is in charge? You know, I don't know that's it, a good question. If, if you, if you signed my waiver on my, you know, how much does that waiver even hold up? You know, I don't, I don't, we never got really into lawyers and whatnot, but I don't know, you know, I would assume if I'm going to make a plan and the Minnesota department of health is telling me to, then we got to listen to that plan.
0: Right. Well, it's a good question. It's great for, cause I know it's going to be in the rules, but, uh, I know from my experience, if I get, uh, ha- get to have an event this hockey season, our staff will have hockey sticks and make sure that everyone's social distanced. And if they aren't, then they're going to be asked to leave. Um, I, I would hope those it, it's going to be. It's again going to try to kill me. I know, but again, Peter and, and Matt, it's that important that we maintain very strong rules. And volunteers can a volunteer uphold these rules if the if they are handed the keys? Can you think they can, Matt?
1: Uh, you know, that's, that's a great question. We just got to get together and get it done all as one. I whereas. agree. I don't think you can put that on one rank manager or one volunteered person. I think it just needs to be, it's just like two plus two is four, right? Why can't we just social distance and know that it's gotta be six feet? Why why, why is there even gotta be a question about it?
0: I know. I know.
2: It's just simple. I don't know. I mean, it's simple caring about the people around you and wanting to do everything you can to make sure that we can play out the rest of the season. But unfortunately it, from our experience, that ship has left the harbor and it is currently sinking in the middle of the ocean. I mean, there's just, there's so much animosity floating around, even at the arenas, that the enforcement is going to have to, it's going to have to happen, it's going to have to be consistent, and it's going to have to be at the, for lack of a better term, severe. If yes. if we want to make it consistent, make it happen.
0: We've touched on this one a bunch already, just Organically in this conversation, but the no locker rooms. I know every rink is different, but let's. Can you kind of think of a rink that it would be tricky? I I, I said I said Bramar West would be a tricky one. Do you got any other rinks off the top here that were might be tricky to close locker rooms?
1: Um. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of them. I mean, I, I just will make an example for myself. I mean, my my West rink is really close. I mean, is that the, that the
0: second rink or the first rink?
1: Yeah. The okay. second rink. The second the rink is, is put it, up it would be tricky. You know? Yeah, it's it's just it, the rink is the reason the rink is so small and the reason they are across the state of Minnesota is because these rinks were built by volunteers or they were built with a budget that nobody really had. I don't think
2: so you're gonna build a pandemic into
1: it. Right. Yeah, I mean exactly. In these locker rooms, you know, half of my locker rooms are walkways. I mean, people are going up to the bleachers and coming back and forth, you know, and you're gonna so what you're doing there is putting that player who's coming off, breathing hard, next to a mom or a dad from a different town. And they're sucking in that air that that kid, you know, no, that's not the player's fault. It's really not probably the parent's fault either. It's just the situation and what you're sitting in.
0: Right. That's true. That's true. Um, Okay. So here's one that I think we can agree on. Um, and this is the two adults per game, no children would be one of my rules. Uh, we ran uh, tournaments all summer, and we didn't allow children 18 or under into the building, period, uh, partly because it just it became one more thing to manage. What are your thoughts on that rule?
1: Yeah. I mean, you're going to get into some situations where you got to split families, and you got to respect that, so... I think if you, if you can predict that and you can make it known, I think you the family has enough information, they should be able to plan. You know, you don't want a kid sitting in a car on a 90 degree day. Cause he can't come <laughs> into the rink No. I mean, and you also don't want, you know, I mean part, like even I'll just even say my family, like I have a newborn and he's running around the house with a stick on. Well, he sees his brother playing hockey, you know, that's part of a family that still gets back into the day to days of hockey. I mean, look at the Stahl brothers. Those guys grew up beating up each other and they're both in the NHL. I mean, that's, that's family. So it's, it, it, it rides a fine line, I think. And you can't, I mean, I think if you can prepare and plan and get the education out there, I, I think, I think most families could probably work around it, but you know,
0: it is tricky. We 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 made some enemies. I will say that, but it was these were the rules that were put in place by Bloomington, and we were like, all right, well, whatever your rules are, we're going to follow them.
2: I think that's a good point, though, that if families have enough time to make arrangements, like if you send them an email before a tournament, a week before, or even two weeks before, they can figure out some sort of alternative. That's
0: assuming they right. get the email, though, the or
2: assuming that they read it. Well, and I
1: think too. You need to put it on. I mean, so if every rink has a manager or a coach, I mean, like just for example, we were heading up to Brainerd for a game last week and, you know, every parent's like, oh, we were on Brainerd's website. We looked at it. You know, I mean, they're, they're taking the responsibility. Hey, you got to step up. Go read your information. Get educated. Make a decision as a team, you know? Correct. Maybe this weekend, Johnny rides with Matt and Brian, the two coaches, and next weekend, you know, your kid comes with us. You know, and we'll just you know carpool together and make it what has to happen. But now they're even talking about you can't even carpool, so it's like, oh, huh.
0: it's gonna be even trickier. The carpool thing is gonna right. be trickier. Right. So it's.
1: I don't know. Interesting. That's one
0: of those cans of worms I choose not to open up. I mean, yeah, it, I had three kids playing at one time, and it was like this. It's so can't hard. Get done. It just can't it, get done.
1: I mean, it's just real life. I mean, it's front lines. I mean, you maybe you got to ride in the car with a mask on. You know, it's, it is what it is. You know. I, <laughs>
0: I'd be okay with that. All right, so here's the one that I think uh, needs it's it's way trickier in the to. Um, in force, is, especially in the winter, um, it's the no lobby time, right? So yep. you, you bring the families in, you know, the, 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 you know they get the kids in five minutes before the game, and then the parents walk in during warmups, right? That that's doable. It's the post game. I call it waiting for baby Jesus uh, <laughs> moment, is <laughs> where mom and dad are sitting in the lobby waiting for uh, little Johnny to come out of the locker room or little Jenny to come out of the locker room, and they want to greet him there. That's just that's just normal. That's what we've been doing for decades, and now you're kicking them literally out of the building and getting them into their car and making them greet little Johnny or Jenny as they enter their vehicle. Yep. It's just one of those sac- things we're going to have to sacrifice. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's just one of those. I mean, it's the tier tier one group did a great job this summer at Minnesota hockey. On you know and. The managers that came in were running the tournaments, especially here in Alexandria. When we did ours, it was just simple, like, "Hey, we know you guys want to wait around, but we got to get you outside. You can't be hanging out right here. Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it's just part of what we're at, and that's just another one of those changing things that's always revolving that we need to, uh, you know."
0: step I, up and do i will say this yes it was super easy this summer kicking people out the door to 70 degrees and sunny yep. it was a lot trickier in rochester in trying late october it was, it was 31 degrees and windy Wind yep. and it was yes. way trickier in moorhead when it was like 25 degrees and windy it was just yeah. it, the, the temperatures are cooling down and it just seems like the 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 you know the tempers just seemed to flare when we were like nope out the door now out the door now you know we're trying to we're trying to uh, sanitize the building we're Trying to do a lot of things here in between games that you can't see while you're standing there. You know,
1: yep, it just takes takes everyone's part to do what they got to do. And you know, nowadays it's kind of, I mean, I know some cars don't have it, but you got auto start, you got, you know, yeah, you, you know, get out to your car, start it up, and hang out.
2: I mean, wear your, wear your cold weather gear and stand in the parking right. lot or sit in the car. I mean, it's, it's exactly, just, yeah, it'd be and one of those things.
1: It's another thing where you just got to prepare, it's right? Just,
0: yeah all right next on my checklist um, is uh, the concessions. Uh, I love concessions. I mean they're a lifesaver. <laughs> the uh, coffee, the the, the the french fries at the Mac I mean all these great things that you can get at the concessions and the convenience of it. Uh, unfortunately, anything to do with food or drink is bad for masks. Correct um and then no food or drink brought into the rink except water bottles for players could you because that could that be enforced
1: Uh, oh yeah i think so i mean it'd be hard but i mean you're also you know you're you're this whole thing and this whole conversation i mean we're trying to change 50 60 years of traditions i mean it's not easy the first day but if everyone could buy into it we could get back to that just like you know I mean, even the sports commission, the you know, and all the groups that just say, hey, give us four weeks. Let's see. Just, you know, be patient. It's 28 days. We can do this, you know, and we'll be back. We can do it. You know, everyone's pretty confident that it'll all work out. But we just got to have everybody understand that, you know, that this is very important right now. So let's do it.
0: I think if we write a document or somebody writes a document that, that outlines even the more strict changes that the, the state is willing to take, I think if you bring this back to the governor or to, to Commissioner Thomas and and Tomes and, and, and show them how serious we are about getting back into the rink, I think we might have a shot if the case numbers also follow.
1: Yeah. Yep. No, Tarek's been great to work with um he does a phenomenal job him and jamie murphy over there um, at the national sports center but that's yeah you know it's it's one of those things where you know even prior to this we had emails and conversations about talking about what do we need to change now and how can we change as fast as possible you know and we're all like we don't need to shut down we can just change a few things let's make it known it'll all work out but it's just hard to get people to understand that a change you know some things, sometimes a change in life really makes you, you know, become a better person or, you know, just like if you got to move for a different job, you're going to change. You got to meet new people. You know, it it's, it's hard for people to do that stuff. You know, it really it is. It
2: is hard. But I think we if we look at these four weeks as a chance to admit to ourselves that it is possible that a pause can happen. These aren't just empty, vague ideas of what could happen. We have four yeah. weeks to figure it out. <laughs> We've yeah, got these aren't just something to... that
1: we're just coming up with to come up
2: with. Right.
1: So uh, right, hopefully right.
2: after three 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 and a half weeks, parents are so tired of their kids, they're willing to do whatever it takes <laughs> to get them back into the arena. But this really is sure. a chance for, right. for everyone from tournament directors to rink managers to parents to kids to get it, get it through our heads that this is serious and we need to follow along if we have any chance of finishing the season.
0: All right. Uh, here's the... Thank you, Peter. Uh, you're going to be the the you're referee welcome. on this little debate here. <laughs> Matt and I were chatting earlier this week, and he says I'm willing to. I've talked to his. He's talked to his uh, cohorts all over the country and in Massachusetts and certain parts where they're actually wearing masks while playing. And I just cannot, as a hockey whatever aficionado, I cannot see this. I can I can accept it, but the part I can't accept is aren't we potentially opening ourselves up for liability of someone getting injured or dying with this mask over their face, Matt, let's hear your thoughts on this.
1: Yeah. I mean, you're correct on that. I mean, I'm not going to disagree on that. I, I, part, I would say though, is that if, if we keep going down the road, we are, it's going to be a discussion and it, you know, it might just have to be what it is, but I mean, it's already been talked about. Like you said, there's people doing it around the country already. I mean, if, if you're a parent and you feel like that's unsafe, then I guess that's your choice, you know? But if you if your kid's fine with putting it on and, you know, all masks are breathable. I mean, Minnesota hockey has the mandate for the coaches on the ice. They got them on during practice. They're running their practice skills, you know? I, I, it's just a topic that I think needs to be discussed. So, you know, we understand how serious this is. I mean, this yeah. is a serious topic. I mean, we're talking lawyers. We're talking all sorts of just stuff that, you know, would delay the return back to the game. I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's been talked about a lot, and everybody is on the fence with it. I mean, I'm completely on the fence with it. I don't know if it's right or wrong, but I, I'm, I'm, you know, they're doing studies with it right now all over the country, and it's not just the Minnesota Department of Health. It's the CDC's doing it, you know. So, right.
0: Right. Well, we didn't argue as much as I thought we were going to argue. Oh no. no.
1: I mean, <laughs> I, you, I could I could sit here till I'm blue in the face and tell you it's got to happen, but you and I both know that. We're not gonna and try to. What I want to say: put a kid in a spot where you know he's not comfortable. Number one, number two, we're not gonna lose a life. We're already losing too many already. The way it is with this coronavirus, you know, I. It's just one of those things that I know it's gonna come up. And you know, like CCM right now, I Tech, all those guys, they're working their butts off to try to create a mask that literally, you know, like when you go to the restaurants and you see the workers with the clear ones that are on their face, mm-hmm. you know that's where they're trying to push this and it's not for them to you know make a bunch of money it's to keep the
0: game going i agree I, I
2: think that idea comes out of a not not a vacuum but of people saying okay how can we avoid a shutdown how can we avoid a pause what are all of our options to avoid a pause and then somebody says well they could wear masks while playing yeah. i don't i don't think that, that somebody think would do it i don't think somebody arbitrarily said well let's make them wear masks while they play it's like
1: right and you're not going to throw like a piece of tin over their mouth i mean it's got to be breathable <laughs> but and then I, again this is the mask doing its job or not i don't you know I,
2: let's none of us are going to pretend to be doctors of disease no no no
1: that's up to the epidemiologists and cdc to figure all that out i mean there's got to be still some particles that come you know through your mask no matter what type For of sure. mask you have i mean just common sense warm air rises well your body's coming on at 98 degrees it's gonna rise i mean that's the biggest talk with the locker rooms is a ventilation correct in there because it's all rising i mean i've seen some studies where it shows like how the currents of the air can just push it and bounce it off the walls before it even goes out so right i mean
0: Right. Well, that leads me to my last question. Um, And it's, it goes kind of back to your role with Miami. And that is you, you talk to a lot of different arena managers, not just here in the twin cities and, and all over the state, but you're talking to managers all over the country. What are you hearing? What are some of the uh, key themes that you're hearing in Massachusetts or California or Texas that are also the exact same that we're seeing here in Minnesota?
1: Yeah. I mean, basically it all comes back to when we're, ending a conversation where we're all agreeing that we have to make it a predictable situation. Um, we can't, we can't, uh, just allow Joe Schmo to come in here and not have rules. You know, there's, I I think there's a big misconception about a guideline or a, you know, like an executive order you have to listen to, right? I mean, the Mm -hmm. executive branches of our government, I mean, wrote that for the safety of the people. Um, it's it's getting a preparedness plan in place so that when these situations do come up, where a mother is complaining, you know, well, you know, our concession stands open. The association wanted it open. They've written their own preparedness plan. Can I shut it down? I probably could, but, you know, if you would do your part, eat your food, put your mask back on, do I really have to say anything to you? You know, it's no. it's, you know, and that's where we're we're all like, oh. You know what's the next email what's this going to say who's this going to you know we're trying to protect ourselves so that we're not getting a bad image and you know i'm thinking probably here in the next you know years or two i mean we're going to have some classes that's going to deal with um you know how to properly deal with situations i mean you know the building maintenance and zamboni training scheduling training you know the refrigeration training all that stuff is a uh, really great stuff but i think we got another element that we all need to attack and that's uh You know, maybe it's the communication level or, you know, bringing in a psychologist that could talk to you about like, okay, how can I get out of this situation, but how can I properly do that? You know,
2: conflict de-escalation. Yep. Exactly. Oh man. (laughs) There, we've seen
0: plenty of that. That's it. It is a
2: skill though. You're, you're right. It's a skill that if everyone in charge or in positions of authority, if we, you know, take advantage of learning how to do it without, you know, voices raising or anything, then that's right. That's a plus for everybody involved.
1: Yeah. Well, and then you know, there's also the agreements that you know, we're not just in this job to like be mad at people. We're in this job for the kids. We're in this job to get hockey, keep it going. You know, we love the sport. That's that's across the board. I mean, we're not here to try to police or be the COVID cops. We want the kids to skate. We want to have fun. You know, that's the bottom line. We all can agree on that as managers that, you know, we're not in this game to you know, be a bunch of pricks and run around. That's the last thing we want to do. We want to see having fun. We want to see some exciting games. I mean, what's nothing better than a section playoff game at your rink and the place is packed. Everyone's screaming and yelling. It's a close game. You know, that's the stuff we we live for.
0: So. It's fun to hear that from an arena manager's perspective. Right <laughs> yeah, really, I am too. It is here to, fun to hear that from an arena manager's perspective because that's why we got into this business was because of those section finals. But there's but leading before you get to the section finals, all the the learned skates, the yeah, the, the cross ice mites. You know, all the building blocks that lead up to a section final are like Alexandria had their magical run in 2018, making it to the state final. Did you see that one coming? You know, ten years ago, probably. Probably not, but it was a fun fun thing to watch.
1: It's crazy. The kids, you can, you know, like, I don't know our true numbers here, but I bet I know 70 to 80% of everyone's first name in my building for the kids' part, you know? Just having that relationship and building that up. And, you know, what I've noticed in Alexandria is it really mostly wasn't kids that weren't listening, you know? They wanted to come skate and have fun, but... You know, it's just the outside of the rink social events that really shut us down.
0: I agree with that. It's been we, fun. We've talked about that a, a few
2: times. The kids, the kids will generally listen. I mean, they might come in without it, totally over the, without the mask totally over their face, but they will listen because they they want to play and in general, I think rinks rinks are pretty good because there's enough people walking around to make sure everybody's following the rules, but as soon as they walk out that door, it's it's like a free for all.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, we're hoping that the free-for-all uh, gets put into check and the three of us are back in a rink in less than four weeks. I need it. I need I it, <laughs> too. I can't do my living room anymore. I love these podcasts, but I'd much rather be covering hockey games than doing podcasts.
2: Right,
1: exactly. Yep. Nope. And it's, it's good. I think the numbers are there to keep hockey moving forward. I think people are still engaged, and I think that's good for us. I mean, it gets our doors opened. It keeps everyone happy. I mean – it's not just, you know, hockey, too, like basketball, volleyball, all, all these sports. You know, they're they're all important to all these kids' mental health, school.
0: I it's agree a huge part. I agree with you 100% on that one. Well, we, Peter and I, really appreciate you spending an hour with us today uh, to talk about uh, the, the Arena Managers Association and all the challenges we faced over the summer, what we're facing uh, this fall, and what we might face, hopefully, with knock on wood that we'll face uh, come uh, the – a pause being lifted uh for matt hennon uh excuse me for peter odney uh, and matt hennon i'm tony scott thanks for tuning in to today's show